This is the Shanice Lewis Show, the number one podcast for plus-size women. With your host, the queen of curvy conversation, Shanice Lewis. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Shanice Lewis. Today is Monday, May 13th, 2019. Make sure you're following the show's social media pages on Facebook at The Shanice Lewis Show and on Instagram and Twitter at Shanice Show. And make sure you subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcasting app. Today, we have a very special guest on the show. Donna Perry is the CEO of Courageously Curvy Girls Foundation, a nonprofit organization that profits that promotes a healthy lifestyle for underserved girls of color by building resources and leading change initiatives in New York area and beyond. She served as Miss New York Plus America 2015 and continues to uplift and empower plus-size women with her brand, Curvaciously Curvy. Through workshops, motivational speaking, and empowerment apparel, Donna encourages women to embrace their curves unapologetically, love themselves unconditionally, and live their very best lives. The second annual Courageous, Curvy, and Paving the Way Awards Luncheon is September 28, 2019 in Great Neck, New York, and we're so excited to have Donna on the show today. Hi, Donna. Hey, hey, hey. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. I'm excited to talk to you and everything you got going on. Yes, ma'am. I'm so honored to be on the Shanice Lewis Show. Thank you so much for having this new, you know, brown girl from Brooklyn who really just wants to try to make an impact the best way possible. So thank you so much for having me. Of course. So let's start from the beginning of your journey. So growing up, I see you weren't always confident. Now tell us about your challenges that you had with your weight and self-esteem growing up. Wow. Um. So... When I, uh, I I found out that, like, you know, this whole thing about fat and obesity um, was a thing around the age of, I want to say about nine or ten years old. I I had um, recently transferred from private school in Brooklyn to a public school um, in Brooklyn, and um, I remember, you know, really enjoying my time in public school to a degree where I was doing really well as it pertained to academics. And then my gym teacher actually told my mother that I was obese. And when you come from the type of family that I came from, like my grandmother on my father's father's side, um, her name was Minnie Andrews. She was, you know, a, a plus woman, but she was a plus woman that, you know, she just really embodied what it was to be like, you know, that, that old grandma, you know, that, that Myanmar that a lot of people, you know, talked about. And so my mm-hmm. grandmother, you know, she always made like, you know, the potatoes and the steaks and, you know, the, 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 the barbecue this and, you know, soul food was something that was very like prevalent in my household. And so out of all of my sisters, I was always the biggest one. I was always the tallest one. I was always the one 
um, I was considered the knee baby. So I was the one that people patted on the knee while my mother was like, you know, really taking care of my baby sister, um, Linnell, and we're about maybe 18 months apart. So I never really understood what it was to be obese, right, from that perspective. I knew that I was always like the biggest one, but nobody really ever made me feel different or less than um, until I got to public school. And um, there was this thing called the Presidential Health Challenge, I believe, and I couldn't reach certain benchmarks. I couldn't run as fast as everybody else. I was always the slowest in the class. Um, I would start sweating faster than everybody else. And so that's when he informed my mother that I was obese. So the first thing my mother did, just, you know, because back in the 80s, you really didn't know what to do, right, with obesity. And so the first thing my mom did was, she put me on Slim Fast. You remember Slim Fast? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the two, there's two shakes and the sensible dinner. And, I mean, you know, she just kind of really did that. Um, I think the first two or three days, clearly it didn't work out for me. Um, I actually got sick from it. And then we went to a nutritionist. And, you know, that, that kind of worked but didn't work because I was the only person in the family measuring all my food while everybody else was just eating the extra help and the potatoes and macaroni and cheese. So it was kind of like a feeling of being um, secluded from everybody else and secluded from what everybody else was doing. And so slowly but surely, over time, um, I just started to to feel this sense of not really belonging um, in my immediate circles, not really belonging in the groups of people that I kind of hung out with because of the fact that I was always the big one. I was always the big one. I was always the big, loud, dark-skinned one. Like, you know, I was just always that one. And so... So were you actually bullied? I was bullied. Um, I I did start getting bullied in um, about the third, fourth grade. I started getting bullied at the school that I went to. Um, Interestingly enough, I started being bullied, and one of the people that was a part of bullying me Actually, right now, as adults, we're the closest of friends. That's the story for another show. But anyway, (laughs) but um, we, we, you know, it was just like one of those childhood things where, you know, she she bullied a little bit, but there were other, you know, elements of bullying that I endured um, as a result of being um, plus size. But I was just plus size. I was plus size, and I was, like, really smart. So I was really smart. I was plus size. Um, and I, I kind of used my intelligence, my quick wit, my smart mouth, and my quick temper to really kind of guard me against um, bullies. Actually didn't help uh, <laughs> initially because it made people want to kick my bond even more. But um, my saving grace was also that I was talented, which I had a gift. I, I, I actually sang. I, I, I still sing to this day. Um, and so... Um, I use singing as my outlet to really, you know, kind of to really help me express myself, especially in my church, in ways that I really couldn't. And so that really helped me because what ultimately ended up happening was a teacher in my elementary school said to my mother, this is not the place for your daughter. Like, you've got to get her out of here or she's going to be swallowed up by this system and swallowed up by what's going on in this community. And so I was allowed to take a test 
for um, a gifted and talented program, and I got in, and I eventually ended up being um, transferred into this gifted and talented program in another school district where I had to travel about an hour every day to get to school. And I joined Moon to Taurus, um, and that was also a saving grace for me when I was in um, when I was in that school. And then I ultimately ended up going to Fiorello H. LaGuardia High School for music and art and a performing art. And everybody was a misfit at LaGuardia. Like, you know, talent came in all sizes or shapes or forms or abilities or it all it all disabilities. And so that place was actually where I was able to come out of my shell. Um, I didn't have to feel so guarded in who I was um, as a plus-size girl because there was actually a group of us that were plus-size. Um, and so that was where I was allowed to really be authentically who I was, and, 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 and I was allowed to, like, just really kind of, you know, express myself, in, but in a more peaceful and artistic way. Um, but, yeah, well, that I was- mean, that mm-hmm. was great. You were able to overcome your self-esteem issues still as a teenager, because there's some women that are grown that are still struggling with self-esteem issues um, ongoing. Oh yeah, I mean it's still a struggle. I think that every day it's like it's just a struggle, period. Right? Like you know, we we heard um, you know sis talk about Aisha Curry talk about her struggle just as a wife and as a mom. I struggle with being a wife and a mom every day, you know, and, and, and I still, and I'm going to be transparent just like she was and say, even as an adult, sometimes I struggle with, you know, what I put on, what I don't put on and wondering, you know, do I still, you know, am I still cute? <laughs> so I think that it's a struggle every day. It's a much harder struggle when you are a teenager or a preteen and you're questioning yourself um, and you're questioning things about yourself and then you're surrounded by other young ladies who are probably questioning themselves as well and don't really have healthy places um, to get answers to those questions. And so because everybody is now in the same circle, not really knowing how to ask questions or not really knowing where to go to seek validation and answers to those questions, it just becomes a vicious cycle of, of one girl abusing the other and abusing the other. And so, um, I think that that's really ultimately for me what the goal is of CCGF is to really turn that around. Um, I know that over the years, one of the things that I realized is that if we ever really want to do anything to turn the tide with young ladies about how they feel about themselves, we have to actually start with having conversations with grown women. So that grown, because better grown women create and cultivate better young ladies. So, you know, um, but, like, to your question, yes, it is a struggle. It's a daily struggle. I don't want anybody to think that I've completely overcome the struggle. I just deal with the struggle a little differently now than I did before. Now I have greater tools in dealing with the struggle. Now, if this is an ongoing struggle, tell me, how did you get the confidence to compete in a beauty pageant? Because you were Miss New York Plus America 2015. (laughs) How did that come about? <laughs> I'm I'm gonna be honest with you. Um, when I when I initially decided to compete, I decided to compete in 2014. And when I did that, I just had my daughter Ava, who's now four, 
And um, I I started I I contemplated competing at a time in my life where I was about thirty days out from um, from having my daughter. I was um, thirty days postpartum. I was starting to, and and Ava's actually my second daughter. I have two daughters, Anaya and Ava, and I was really struggling with who I was. So I was already my husband's wife, right? I was already mm-hmm. Anaya's mom, um, and then now I'm Ava's mom. So I was really at a place where I started to feel like I had lost my own identity, and mm-hmm. I needed desperately to get back to me. I stopped wearing makeup. I mean, just imagine you're trying to raise a two-year-old, and now you got a two-year-old and a one-month-old. And so I was I was really trying to figure out who I was. Um, I wanted the opportunity also to be able to raise awareness about the organization and about my platform, and I knew that my platform would be my organization, but I just couldn't figure out, right, what that tangible way was. And so what happened was I heard about the Miss Plus America pageant. Um, I knew the then director of Miss New York Plus America, and so something just fell apart, and so I applied. Um, and I, I went through the phone process, the interview process, um, and I, you know, I went through the entire vetting process, and um, I competed. I, I went through the um, community service process for the first year. I competed in June of 2015. I won to become Miss New York Plus America, and then I competed nationally um, in the Miss Plus America con- uh, contest in August. Of two things, well, actually, the end of July of 2015. I didn't win, I didn't place, but um, I did win runner up in talent competition for for the entire national pageant, which also gave me an opportunity to have more people learn and understand about my platform. And then I just came home with a greater sense of understanding, value, and purpose. And so it just really helped me to. Um, to just really, you know, go and grow and glow through um, what I was feeling back in 2014. So it just really helped me to, to have like an Auntie Maxine moment of reclaiming, <laughs> reclaiming my time and reclaiming <laughs> who I was as, as an individual and as a person. So, yeah, I mean, you know, so, it, it was a journey. <laughs> so after the pageant, you moved on to create your own um, company, Courageously Curvy Enterprises. So that was your platform when you competed that you turned into an official business afterwards? Okay, so this is actually what happened. I, Courageously Curvy Girls Foundation is actually a name change. Um, the original name of the organization was Fat Girl, which is an acronym that stood for Finding Alternatives to Gain Impacting Results for Life. The organization started, was founded back in 2012, um, shortly after, I want to say 2012, maybe a little before 2012, after I had gastric bypass surgery, and I had lost about 180 pounds. Um, I got pregnant with my first daughter, Anaya, 
and I had been going through the journey of really creating Fat Girl, which was the original name of the not-for-profit. Um, and so the the core of what you see as the Courageously Curvy Girls Foundation still maintains the same values of Fat Girl, which was the original name of the organization. Over time, as the organization started to grow and as more ideas and you know, we made some mistakes along the way, and, and I learned certain things along the way, just even about myself as a leader, but also as a mom, I realized that young people, as much of the visionary in me wanted fat girl to be the name, because I wanted us to kind of dispel the myth of the word fat, mm-hmm. it wasn't really catching on to a lot of young people. And a lot of girls didn't really mm-hmm. like the name because they didn't want to be, you know, um, looked at as fat. So I was like, okay, mm-hmm. this is not working, God. <laughs> um, in 2013, well, I'm sorry, in 2017, I started my own business, which was Courageously Curvy. And Courageously Curvy was the name of the business that I started to really be the umbrella um, by which I was able to be my best creative self through my book writing, through, um, you know, public speaking and all of those different things. And when I came up with the name Courageously Curvy, my husband said, that sounds like it should be on somebody's shirt. And so we came up with the concept of Courageously Curvy as just like, you know, a dope shirt um, and as just a declaration to women and to young girls everywhere that, you know, Courageously Curvy means boldness defined and all of those things. And when we thought about it, and we were planning, um, and, and, you know, we were just kind of talking about some things in terms of the not-for-profit, we said, hey, maybe we should think about changing the name of the not-for-profit from Fat Girl to what we now have as the Courageously Curvy Girls Foundation. And so you have so, two different entities with the same name, yeah. the LLC and the nonprofit are two separate things, but they just have the same name? Right, so there's Courageously Curvy, which is the enterprise company, which is, you know, all of all of the other things that I do um, personally, but Courageously Curvy Girls Foundation is our not-for-profit organization with, that is geared completely to dedicating ourselves to our girls and to the mission of helping to combat childhood obesity in girls ages 8 to 18, um, by providing them with, you know, with um, informative services, health and wellness, and um, all of those different services to make them their best self. Now, you just mentioned that one of your main things is to combat childhood obesity. Now, sometimes it's kind of hard talking about health and wellness in the plus-size community. So what would you say I, to I, a I critic? I got that now. So what would you say to your critics that says, how can your organization be body positive when the main purpose is to combat obesity? Well, I think that a lot of times, and I'm really glad that you asked me that question, because I think that is a question that that should definitely be answered. Um, Because the same question is asked even in plus, um, even in plus pageants, like, Are you celebrating obesity? Are you celebrating unhealthy behavior by having a plus pageant? And so the same answer that I gave then is the same answer that I would give now to critics. The answer is no. Um, 
there's a difference between being obese from a health perspective and being curvy, right, and being plus and curvy in terms of fashion and in terms of what you wear or your dress size. It just so happens, however, that there is an overlap once you get past a certain dress size in terms of the health implications of obesity and being curvy and wearing a plus size. Um, Being curvy and being um, plus is really more or less a word or group of words that were given to women who wore extended sizes in the fashion world. However, the more I think about it and the more I've allowed myself to spend a lot more time with the full-figured and curvy community, I've also come to understand, even within myself, that being curvy is also a state of mind. It's a matter of having confidence. It's a matter of celebrating um, your curves and recognizing that not all body types are the same, right? Being mm-hmm. obese and the clinical perspective of being obese is having a BMI that is, you know, that is higher than your BMI being higher than what it should be for your body, for your body type based off of your height and weight. And so with that comes along other health implications as a result. Let me be very clear. Up until seven, eight years ago, I was 399.8 pounds at my highest weight. I had gastric Mm. bypass surgery. I'm very transparent about that. I had gastric At 398.9 pounds, I was infertile. I had not, um, I, I was not able to give my husband any children. I could not have any children even if I tried. My doctor would not help me try. He would not help me um, with any, in, with any uh, fertility treatments because of my size. I did not qualify for other fertility treatments because of my size. Um, I could not walk up a flight of stairs without struggling to breathe. I was so unhealthy, Shanice, that I had to pay to have my laundry done because I lived on a wow. third floor in a walk-up. And so in Brooklyn, by the way, and anybody that knows anything about Brooklyn, living in the third floor in a walk-up in Brooklyn and carrying clothes when you wear size 26, 28, that's a lot of weight to carry up and down stairs. Um, I would only shop for my food, like grocery shopping, maybe once every other month because the thought of bringing food up and down, right, was just like torture to me. Um, I could barely breathe. Like I, I struggled with breathing. You know, I had asthma problems. I had sciatica, PCOS. I was just really a ticking time bomb. Diabetes ran on both sides of my family. Heart disease was on both sides of my family. I was a ticking time bomb for just poor health, and it has started to affect everything about me. And so that was the obesity. That was the clinical implications of obesity. Now, when you talk about plus curvy, honey, nobody could outdress me at work. And I don't care how, and I'll say this publicly, I don't care how big or small, 
I, I, I mean, when I tell you I could wear an outfit, I could wear an outfit down. To this day, did not have a problem with how much money I spent on clothes. You know, I, I, I never had a problem when it came to confidence from that perspective. But my quality of life was greatly impacted by my weight. I made a decision to have gastric bypass surgery. Um, I lost 180 pounds within the first two years of me having gastric bypass surgery. I went from not being able to have children to now today I have two children. I went from... But you're still um, plus size. You're still considered plus size right now, correct? Okay. I'm still plus size, and I'm, I'm still plus size. And to be honest with you, after I had my daughter Ava... I had I I I went into a, a period. I later realized after coming home from competing that what I had been going through, um, I, because I had gone back to work very early after I had Ava, I w- I actually suffered from postpartum depression, which you know affected my ability mm-hmm. to sleep. I just you know and and so what ended up happening was after I had Ava, I gained about forty fifty pounds after I had her. Like a year after I had her, I didn't work on Courageously Curvy Girls Foundation for for a while after that because I was ashamed of having gained that weight. I was just like, who's going to listen to me? But what I realized is that this is a part of a journey, right? And so obesity in terms of the health implication, it's a journey. It's not something that happens overnight. And And my doctor made it very clear to me, listen, you can have as many gastric bypass surgeries as you want. I'm glad that you help. I'm glad that you're healthier and you're better than you were before. But here's the reality: you will never be skinny. <laughs> you will never be skinny. Don't. That's not. That's not you. That's not. You know how they say in the church: that's not your portion. That's not. Mm-hmm. The, that's not going to be you. But the goal here is for you to be the healthiest you that you can be. And so. I think that even if that's plus size healthy, listen, even if it's plus size, I I know perfect example of plus size healthy. Um, Latoya Shantae Snell. I don't know if you, she, she actually is one of the women that is a part of the current Eloquy um, campaign. And I know her, she lives here in Brooklyn. She has um, a blog called running fat chef. She is a plus size marathoner. She can run some circles around people that I know that are 120 pounds with rocks in their socks in their pocket. But she is one of the she is one of the most awesome and dopest physically fit people that I've ever met in my entire life. So I'm not saying that um, if you are plus size that you are that I, I'm not saying that we should tell our girls that they can't be um, that they can't embrace their journey where they are. I'm saying that just even little things that you do to improve your quality of life, do those things. You know, walk for 30 minutes a day, right? Um, eat more foods, eat more vegetables, um, drink more water. There's nothing wrong with that. I've seen people in the full-figure fashion community just, just from watching fashion shows, and, you know, and, and from seeing so many women I have to be honest with you, it, it seems to me that it takes a lot of lower body strength to walk in mm-hmm. those heels on, on the catwalk. You you would have to be, it would seem to me that you would have to have some level of health, right, of good health 
in order to be able to do that. And so nobody says anything to those women. <laughs> nobody says anything to those women. Like, we have actors and actresses that gain weight for roles all the time or lose weight for roles all the time. So I, I'm not telling a young person, or well, I'm not saying to anybody in the plus community that, you know, um, I think that I have a problem with the fact that they're curvy, and that's why I'm telling young people to not, you know, to be healthy. No, I'm saying that you can be healthy, you can live a life of good health, and embrace your curves while you're living a life of good health. That That's pretty much Did what I'm Did you saying. have to change some of your branding and take out combat obesity? Did you get some negative feedback when that was, like, one of your main things um, combat really, obesity we never really changed the um the wording in terms of uh in terms of our mission i mean i i think that right. that we have come to learn that we've had to approach it differently right mm-hmm. um i think that what we've come to learn is that a you can't talk to a young person about behavior modifications in terms of combat and obesity um, mm-hmm. without really, really involving the village, without really involving their parents. So what we've done is we created a Mommy and Me Zumba uh, workshop, which we're actually in our second series of that, um, and that will actually be this Saturday in Brooklyn. Um, we have, you know, we're, we're now starting to talk about um, making our program a program where it's more inclusive of, of parents, um, because what I've realized is that I can I can kind of teach your daughter all that there is to know about great health and nutrition and how to be physically fit, but right. if that's not something that is um, that she's exposed to at home, whether it be because of a fiscal um, of a fiscal issue or a cultural thing. Then everything that I teach her has no, you know, has no merit, it has no basis, it has no value because kids don't buy their own food; their parents do. Right. Um, so really, you're my, promoting my just own. a healthy lifestyle. Right. It, it it is a healthier lifestyle, and I and I firmly believe that if we really want to have a conversation, or we really want to combat childhood obesity in terms of the health implications of childhood obesity, because they are very real, and they are very tangible. Um, and because we do have a lot of young people that are dying at the hand, prematurely at the hands of the health implications of childhood obesity, and we really, really, really want to do something to combat childhood obesity from that perspective, we really the first thing we need to do is we need to have a conversation with our young people about really loving who they are. Um, because I'm a firm believer that when you love who you are, you have a greater love for your relationship, you change your relationship with food, and you change how you eat and what you eat. And so, again, I'm not saying that you should, um, that, you know, if you're overweight or that if you're obese that you're not beautiful. I don't want anybody to ever think that. I want to make that very clear. What I'm saying is that you can be beautiful, you can be curvy if that is what, if that is what it is, but you can be beautiful, you can be curvy, and you can be healthier than you were before, and that this is a journey. I struggle with the journey every single day. I failed miserably yesterday on Mother's Day. I'm just going to be honest. 
I failed in my health journey yesterday. I come from a black family, and so on our menu was a whole bunch of stuff for dinner that I generally don't eat on a regular basis, right? But I ate it yesterday. Mm. So now here I am this morning saying, okay, I didn't do so well yesterday, but that's okay. So now I start over today, you know, with fresh juices, with, you know, just healthier portions, healthier decisions, more water in my diet and all of those things. So, again, I think that you can promote body positivity. You can promote um, being beautiful in your curves and being healthy at the same time. Now let's talk about your event coming up. Courageous, Curvy, and Paving the Way Awards Luncheon Luncheon is coming up September 28th. Now tell me who all is going to be there. Oh, man. I'm really excited about um, the Courageous, Curvy, and Paving the Way Awards Luncheon. It's the second year that we've done it. The first year, um, our keynote speaker was the one and only mother mogul herself, Gwen DeVoe. And we were just so super excited to have her. Um, we were surprised with being um, given the opportunity to be the um, community partner award recipient for 2019. I'm sorry, 2018 um, at the Full Figure Awards um, uh, show as well. The Full Figure Fashion Week, I'm sorry. Um, this year, Gwen DeVoe is actually the producer. Of, she has come on the team as the producer this year of the gala. Um, and Are you going to so have a fashion team, show? No, we're not having a fashion show. So I think that's one of the things that really, really um, set the the organization aside, you know, from a lot of the, the different things that go on in the industry. Our goal is to really celebrate everyday people um, who are courageous, curvy, and paving the way in various areas of um, of of achievement. So we have Miss um, Keisha Banyan Shepherd. Uh, she is an educator with over 25 years in education in the New York City public school system. She's receiving excellence in education award. We have Mr. Philip Ben. I'm sorry. <laughs> God help me. We have Philip Drew. I apologize. Um, from Queen Size Magazine. He he will be receiving the Man of Distinction award. We also have, and that's the first year that we've ever given this award. We also have um, Yvette Hunter-Bennett, and Yvette Hunter-Bennett is um, receiving an award for philanthropy. Um, She started an organization in memory of her daughter, who was a victim of gun violence here in New York. Um, We also have um, Latoya Shante Snell, who will be receiving her award in absence, she'll be receiving the Warriors Award because I actually think that that date she'll actually be in Tokyo um, running a marathon. Uh, we also have Bandolettes. We have the founders of Bandolettes. They will be receiving um, the Award for Excellence in Entrepreneurship. And what people don't know about Bandolettes is that they sponsored our scholarship award recipients last year. They were the only corporate sponsor that we had last year that sponsored our scholarship award recipients. So we we knew that we just had to honor them for the awesome work that they continue to do in the um, fashion industry. Uh, We have, um, I'm sorry, 
We have uh, Kayla Carpenter, who is receiving a Young Innovators Award for the work that she does as a young, courageous, curvy, and paving the way young lady who is doing great work in music um, and music innovation. We have Nicole Elaine Pfeiffer, who is the Minister of Music of Greater Centennial AME Church. She is um, also the former castmate of uh, The Wiz. She played um, the Wicked Witch in The Wiz Harlem. Um, and then we also have the one and only Akira Armstrong. Um, we'll be honoring her as well with our Innovators Award um, for the work that she does with Pretty Big Movement. So we are really so all, excited. All, all of your honorees are curvy or in the curvy community? Is that the ongoing thing? Yes. All of our honorees are curvy or within the curvy community. Absolutely. And so we're now really, I saw really you were I saw you were looking for sponsors. Are you looking for sponsors for this particular event or do the sponsors provide scholarships for the girls in your organization? That's a really great question as well. Thank you so much. I love your question, Shanice. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Um, so right now, we are actually um, going to be relaunching the um, MAC Scholarship. So the MAC Scholarship is the Minnie Andrews and Corrine Harrington um, Scholarship. Last year, we awarded two young ladies with a MAC Scholarship of $500 cash each at the um, awards gala. This year, our goal is to really be able to increase that cash scholarship from $500 apiece to $1,000 apiece. And so as a result, we, um, yes, we are still looking for corporations as well as small business organizations who would like to sponsor the event um, by either sponsoring with swag bag um, inserts or if you'd like to be a part of sponsoring the scholarship component, you may be, you can do so um, by helping us to raise uh, those two scholarship amounts from $500 to $1,000. Um, and so our family and the family of Minnie Andrews and Corrine Harrington, which is who the scholarship, um, the two scholarships were named after, um, we have come and agreed that we are actually going to do a match up to $1,000. So if we do a match up to $1,000, then what could possibly happen is that instead of if we exceed $1,000 per scholarship recipient, we could actually bless these two award recipients with a scholarship of $2,000 instead of $1,000 apiece. So nice. that is um, one of the goals of the awards luncheon is to really be able to provide two academic scholarships um, to two deserving young ladies who will meet the criteria once we put the application, once we make the application live. Um, but in addition to that, um, just to, you know, so that people can understand the impact that we've had in the past 12 months since the last awards gala. Running a not-for-profit organization is very taxing, and it can be very time-consuming and very costly. And so um, the money that we raise also allows us to be able to further the mission and the vision of the organization and being able to accomplish, you know, the things that we've already done and improve upon those things. Um, in the last year, we have um, helped 10 young people um, with fully stocked book bags go back to school. 
Um, we've also been able to sponsor two young people to, you know, hang out with us at the Finding Ashley Stewart um, competition where we actually closed um, one of the young ladies, um, and they actually met Glenn DeVoe and so many other awesome people at the Finding Miss Ashley Stewart competition. Um, we've helped young people that we really can't even reveal that we've helped. Um, we've created lasting partnerships through an organization called Canva as well as Graham, where, you know, I have um, actually mentored um, young girls with uh, our um, our Cover Girl Unleashed um, workshop as well as the Passion Planner workshop. We visited various schools. And so what we're ultimately trying to do is really to increase our capacity in those partnerships by also being able to um, help young people who are struggling with school clothes for the following school year because that's actually something that has become a problem, especially in the New York City public school system. We want to be able to um, adopt a school eventually and provide that school with healthy snacks that help kids who are struggling to, you know, who are struggling because they're not, they're coming from food insecure communities um, throughout the school day. So we, we really want to be able to provide greater services. Um, right now, if you register for uh, Mommy and Me Zumba class, the Mommy and Me Zumba class in partnership with Lucille Roberts, it costs $10 for a member of Lucille Roberts and $15 for a non-member. We never want to turn away a mom and her daughter or a mom and her child for their inability to pay for the Mommy and Me Zumba. So we want to be able to actually have our, you know, our community come in eventually and participate in Mommy and Me Zumba at no cost to them. So um, the, the awards gala allows us to really be able to raise funds so that we can continue to do our work, so that we can continue to further our mission and also do more work when it comes to, um, when it comes to advocacy as well as community service and our program. So how can you purchase tickets for the event? You can purchase tickets for the event by visiting the Eventbrite link um, that's posted on our Instagram at CC Girls Foundation, which is our Instagram. And then you can also post ticket, um, purchase tickets by visiting us on Facebook. And the link for the ticket purchases is also going to be added to our website, which is ccgirlsfoundation.org. And before you go, tell us your official website and all of your social media pages. Yes, ma'am. So our official website is www.ccgirlsfoundation.org. Our social media handles, um, you can look us up on Facebook um, slash the Courageously Curvy Girls Foundation or CC Girls Foundation. You can also look us up on Instagram at CC Girls Foundation. You can also find me on Facebook directly at I am underscore Donna Perry. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. Continued success with everything you have going on. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for your time, Shanice. I appreciate it more than you'll ever know. Best of luck to you and just continue blessing to you and all that you do. Thank you so much. Thank you, and keep in touch, and enjoy the rest of your day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 
And thank you to my guest this afternoon, Donna Perry. Make sure you check out her organization, the Courageously Curvy Girls Foundation. I've been your host this evening, Shanice Lewis. Thank you for tuning in and always supporting. Until next time, keep thriving in your curve and be blessed. You've been listening to The Shanice Lewis Show. For more info about the show, visit ShaniceLewisShow.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.